Welcome to the Talking Serverless Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Jones, joined today by Ran Ribbonsoft, co-founder and CTO of Epsigon, one of the most popular serverless observability companies on the market. Ran is also an AWS serverless hero and has been working in the software industry for more than a decade. How are you doing today, Ran? Very, very good. It's a pleasure to be hosted and thank you very much for giving the opportunity to speak out loud for everyone. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've watched the uh, I've watched the rise of Epsigon from the sidelines for a long time now over the past I think for me, it's been about two years. Um, it's been really interesting to watch. Yeah, most definitely. It's a quite a you know wild adventure uh, being you know a co-founder in general, but especially the all uh, serverless ecosystem where it's been two years ago and where it's today, and hopefully where it's going to be in the next two or three years. So that's a that's an amazing adventure. Yeah, absolutely. And and when it comes to just uh, just in general, how are what are what type of things are you up to uh, now, and how, and how are you doing in general? So, uh, you know, being a co-founder means working a lot uh, within the uh, the product. And uh, for me, especially, I really like uh, evangelizing the uh, the concept of serverless, the concepts of observability. So today, the main focus that we're putting into is, uh, you know, combining uh, serverless into the broader term and combining observability into the broader term. So, you know, what? First thing, uh, everybody already discussed about it, but just in short, serverless is not only Lambda functions, it's much more than that. But uh, at Epsilon, we really believe that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be one or zero. It's kind of a spectrum. And when you want to provide observability, uh, you also need to do that for uh, Fargate or for ECS or for Kubernetes or even, you know, for like a managed Kafka where, you know, usually Kafka that is not considered as serverless. But if it's part of your stack, uh, you need to gain like, you know, observability from end to end. And the second part of uh, expanding the observability into, you know, broader horizons. So usually, you know, observability was kind of a acronym to monitoring, uh, which was okay. But then, you know, everybody talked about the three pillars or four pillars of observability. And now what we're trying to do is actually to uh, bring in an uh, observability experience or what we're calling applied observability, which means that, you know, whatever you're getting, whether it's like a a metric of a spike in, you know, IOPS to the RDS or, you know, a timeout in Lambda function or a bad log or a bad trace, you'll be able to triage all you know, all pillars all together from the same platform and the same experience rather than having, you know, logs in one place and uh, monitoring in the other place. What we find today, usually in many companies, it's like, you know, we're having CloudWatch and we're having another solution for infrastructure monitoring and we're having another solution for APM and another solution for maybe logs like Elastic and another thing for tracing. And we really want to have engineers the ability to work under the same experience and under the same dashboard. So that's what I'm up to. That's what makes me, uh, you know, wake up in the nights. Yeah, this is really interesting. Uh, I'm glad that this, uh, this question is asked first because um, this applied observability question, I can hear how passionate you are as well. Um, I know it's, as we talked about a second ago, it's already like uh, 8.30 where you're at. So you've, you've gone <laughs> through the entire day <laughs> and you're still, you're still passionate. So that's great. But yeah, you bring up a really good topic, which is, a lot of times when we talk about serverless, we talk about Lambda functions, we talk about DynamoDB, things like that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's like a lot more to that. And a lot of clients that, you know, I've worked with, they, they don't just, they might be using Lambda functions, but the bulk of their stuff is probably still like the applications that they have to, you know, interact with. Like you said, running on ECS, containers, all those things. So I think this is a, it's a really good thing. And how, how has this kind of, have y'all seen adoption increase as y'all started to be like, we are going to cover all of your things, not just Lambda functions? So it's going really great because, you know, the fact you you probably see a lot of serverless customers, but almost for every customer, there is a small between like, you know, small piece of non-serverless to 
serverless, it's 20% of their stack or even 30%. So being able to provide the one solution that really, you know, covers, for example, their all AWS stack uh, really works much better. And, you know, uh, it's it's obviously a lot of work and a lot of efforts to do to uh, do not just Lambda functions, but totally rewarding. Uh, you know, people are actually seeing their stack, you know, for example, an express application running on EKS, putting a message into, uh, you know, to an SNS, which triggers a Lambda function, then I don't know, calling an app sync API, like the old, you know, the old uh, spectrum of, uh, of services in AWS covered in a, like a single pane of glass, that's, you know, that's priceless. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can immediately think of a few scenarios where without that visibility, it's, it's really hard to understand you know, where that handoff happens. So that makes a ton of sense. Kind of to dial back a bit, how did how did Epsigon get founded and what was where did the idea spring from and how did you get involved with it? Actually, that's a great question. Uh, I started first with serverless, I would say between three or four years ago. Not sure about the exact uh, magical moment. I bought an Alexa, uh, the first Echo Dot to my home, you know, with the uh, aspiration that I'm going to build something big uh, voice-wise. And when I started, there's been like the uh, uh, Alexa uh, SDK for Python that you can interact with. And it's it was very, you know, very nice. You built something, you, uh, at that time, I wasn't even aware that I'm doing Lambda function. It was like somewhat like a serverless framework or Zappa or, you know, Chalice or the other frameworks where you just say deploy uh, and it's getting somewhere and it's running. And some of the skills that I've built, uh, you know, after a month or so got hundreds of thousands of uh, requests every day. And at that point, I never built something with that uh, order of magnitude of scale. I know that it's uh, definitely not a lot, but you know, having from usually the software I built had you know, several users at most to all of a sudden, you know, uh, 10,000s of users and hundreds of thousands of uh, requests every day. But something that, you know, at some point it uh, mind blown me uh, and it was like, wait, what, how do I make all of the scale? How do I do everything? And that's the point where I started to, uh, you know, drill into Lambda functions and understand exactly how it works. And, uh, you know, the magical part of not needing to set a Flask application with Nginx and, you know, set up an EC2 instance and take care for all these, you know, things that I don't really want to do. And at that point, you know, I, I started to understand that what happens when it's not just a single Lambda function? What happens when, you know, for the skill, it's pretty simple. All it does is just fetch something from an external HTTP and return it to the user. But what happens when you're involving uh, message queues and databases and storages and, you know, another third-party API? It's getting complex and complex. So when Mitsan, uh, my uh, the other co-founder, which is the CEO and myself, you know, got together, it was pretty obvious for us that there is a big lack uh, when you're doing this kind of uh, distributed applications, uh, you know, asynchronous based, uh, super distributed, small pieces, lots of managed resources. It's just getting to the point where you don't really understand, you know, very easily. Uh, you can start day one, day two, day three, all seems fine. Few logs, everything works okay. But then, you know, you're hitting production, hundreds of thousands of requests, and, you know, you can't find logs anymore. You can't actually understand metrics. You haven't prepared yourself for that point and we really understood you know both of us come from uh like a long uh, engineering uh background so both of us understood understood what's going to be the pain for engineers when they're they'll have tens or hundreds of lambda functions or 
you know, not even saying thousands of Lambda functions and so many resources all together, you know, built out there. Uh, and it was clear for us, you know, clear as sun, clear as sky, sorry, that we need to build something for engineers. We started initially with serverless, you know, something that was very tailored to Lambda. And over time, we expanded it to more and more all the way to the point today that, you know, you're having an AWS account, regardless if you're running, uh, let's say, uh, Python or Node or Java running on EC2 or ECS or Fargate or Lambda functions or even AppSync APIs, you get a complete coverage uh, using Epsilon. That's a really incredible story. And then one part that is interesting about it um, right at the beginning was you started with an Alexa skill. And that was actually, that's actually how I started as well. So I was, I, I was trying to build a project with Node.js and Alexa was around and I was trying to be like more creative with like one of my side projects. And all of a sudden I was building the Alexa skill and I, I didn't choose to use Lambda. It's just like those were the uh, materials that you had to use to build it. And it was so rewarding when, when eventually that Lambda function mixed in with Alexa and all those things came back and actually spoke back to me uh, for the app I was building. Did you have a similar experience in that? And, and would you... Would you recommend people that are interested in learning serverless, uh, would you recommend them to try to build an Alexa skill as a first step towards that? I really think it's a good way to start, uh, mainly because, you know, uh, you don't need any background except for uh, maybe knowing a bit of Python or Node. That's, you know, that's super simple uh, to get started. And, you know, you don't need to understand how infrastructure works or how to set up web servers or how to, you know, integrate complex things. You just need to have a very minimum knowledge in, uh, in one of the scripting languages uh, and you're all set. And I think it's, uh, it's much more rewarding, uh, due to the fact that you're talking to something. It's not like a code that, you know, it's a CLI based and, you know, you don't really feel nice when something runs there. When, when somebody talks back to you and you're having a logic of, Hey, I'm going to say X and you're going to return Y uh, based on what I've said. That's super fun. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I really recommend this as a good way to start. Super fun, super rewarding. And, you know, the ideas can be endless. I built some stuff that were, you know, like tells me when my uh, bus to the uh, to work will come or how long it will it take for me to drive my car back home or things like that, which, you know, it's it's very nice. It's very nice that you can speak to instead of, uh, I don't know, create another API through any CLI. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool platform. Going back to the going back to the founding of Epsilon, it's it's interesting. So y'all found the pain point really early on. Distributed applications are difficult to manage. Engineers are going to have a hard time with it. And then y'all built a solution out for it. Um, and so how have you seen things like grow since that inception point to now? So uh, we've seen a lot of trends, you know, uh, moving with serverless. So I think the biggest trend was, uh, you know, if you ask if you probably ask someone in uh, 2017 or 20, even 18, what is serverless? Probably the answer would be, oh, serverless, it's Lambda. That's, that's serverless. And, you know, at some point people understood that it's not only Lambda, it's maybe like a function as a service, probably somewhere in 2018. And then, you know, I think 2019 was the year of uh, like the biggest breakthrough for, uh, for serverless and, you know, uh, especially Lambda, which I think leads the, uh, the serverless revolution. And people were debating like, uh, wait, it's not only function as a service, it's also the whole composition of the application that we're building. Uh, and then, you know, the, the main topic was, what's the topic of serverless? What What is actually serverless? So, you know, people took it to the uh, far end of uh, Fargate is also serverless and any orchestration is also serverless. So we've held, we've had all this debate and now, you know, it's getting to the, uh, uh, the, the slope where people understand that it doesn't really matter what is serverless? Uh, it's more matter like, uh, you know, the approach for building application, the, the fact that your code is a liability. It's not an asset. The more code that you're writing doesn't bring you more value. It's not, 
like uh, intellectual property, the, the opposite, the less code that you're writing can be better for you and for your team. So people understand that the agenda for serverless is to uh, focus on what they're doing and spend less time on building things that are already existing. And it can be anything starting from third-party APIs to functions, containers, and anything in between. So that's that's probably the biggest uh, you know trends that we're seeing. Uh, and definitely on top of that, to, uh, to help the adoption, the rapid adoption of uh, such new environments, uh, is the tooling uh, that really, you know, continuously evolving in, en- in every aspect. And you can see that, you know, starting from security to development and deployment, then observability and monitoring and logging, and especially experience. Experience is, was something that really lacked for serverless. Uh, but now you can see more and more best practices, use cases, you know, the other fellas, uh, AWS heroes, serverless heroes, really doing a good job. Jan, uh, Jeremy, and the rest of them, you know, there, there are tons, but they're doing really a good job, you know, spreading the uh, how-tos and the best experience. That's, that's again, that's priceless for, for the community to uh, grow into the state of mind. Because if I'll go back, like, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I used to uh, take, like, IBM and Dell servers and install them on a rack with, you know, screws and plugging power supplies and network and, you know, configuring the operating system through the BIOS, it was a nightmare. And today, uh, you don't need to take care for it. And, you know, in five years, the average developer wouldn't really take care about what's an Nginx or what's a web server. It's like, where do I do, uh, you know, something dot deploy and it gets run somewhere in some environment that I don't really care where it is. This is a really interesting topic. This is something that uh, I'm often talking about in my personal conversations. Is uh, that idea that, that code is a liability, um, and that it, and exactly what you said. It's like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily bring you value uh, or bring bring value um, because you know even uh, like and this this started happening as I saw like AppSync start with the VTL templates and things like that. And there was a lot of pushback um, around VTL templates because of the complexity side of it. But there's something really cool with it where it's just you know. Uh, and this might have been where you were getting at is, you know, you can kind of use this VTL template to talk directly to, let's say, DynamoDB, for instance, or another service, and you have no Lambda code in between that, no maintenance, no yeah. uh, monitoring. Like, it's just straight there. It's static. It works every single time. Um, so, yeah, I got, going to the AppSync one, that was a really big release. And I, and I believe y'all are only one of the only ones, uh, the observability platforms that support AppSync. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. We provide both uh, logs, traces, metrics, all to AppSync. I really love AppSync. I'm a big fan. The only thing that I really don't like is the VCL templates. I wish they could generate something more simpler, more intuitive. Yeah, well, that definitely seems like there's a gap. (laughs) Somebody out there listening wants to build a VTL generator. I think a lot of people are looking for it. And then kind of thinking about when I think about observability, and I think a lot of people that I see that are working with serverless, and there's definitely like evolutions that happen. Like, you know, they start with Lambda, and then they start with that, you know, they add SNS or SQS, API Gateway, and they start gradually learning all the things. And eventually, at some point, they tackle observability. A lot of times, though, I've seen people, they, they stick pretty hard to CloudWatch. Have you had any success kind of converting people over to using something like Epsigon? Uh, and, and what does that look like? Yeah, so I think that's like the, uh, the first go-to when you're developing a Lambda, probably the next thing that you're doing is to open the CloudWatch logs because it's there, it exists, you don't need to do anything, any console log or prints that you'll make will just go there. So it's really good for getting started and especially in development environment. But then comes the part where you're not the one that's invoking the Lambda function and can go switched up to the uh, CloudWatch logs and, you know, reload, reload, reload until you get the logs. 
it comes to the part where, you know, hundreds of people are, you know, on your website or your product streaming tons of uh, data and you can't reload that place anymore. It doesn't really help you. So in that essence, uh, it's a pretty easy move now, not necessarily to Epsigon, but to any different kind of solutions. Probably the most popular today, uh, like solution that uh, we're seeing people are taking is to stream it uh, towards Elastic. Uh, you know, you can really very easily set up a managed uh, Elastic search on uh, AWS. And then there's a somewhat built integration that you can just ship the logs all the way to there. It brings much more value. It's much more simple, especially in scale. Uh, although, you know, there, there's the Elastic itself that needs to be managed. But I think it provides much more uh, broader offering uh, to do that through Elastic. One thing to uh, bear in mind, uh, logging is a good tool to uh, to tell you what happened, but you need to do it right. Many people I see that are just, sorry, many engineers that I see are just doing, uh, you know, uh, console logs with some uh, raw prints. Uh, and instead of it, you should make sure that you're doing JSONified kind of prints that are enriched with some more metadata. Like for example, uh, What's the function name? Which version is it? What timestamp are we uh, are we doing? Where, which operation or which internal function in the code are we at? What is the stage that we're working at? And then the message itself that you want to uh, that you want to have that really helps teams that you know. Once you're having a centralized location for all of the logs, you really need to have context because you'll have tons of logs from tons of services. And it's not necessarily you know a single engineer that's responsible for the logs that can read everything. It's probably you know several teams that are working on the same centralized logging. So you need to have this kind of uh, uniformity first in the uh, the fact that logs are structured and then in the fact that, you know, try to uh, standardize the way you're logging inside your organization so everything will be uniform. Once you're doing that, you can build based on Elastic really nice things. I mean, you can, you know, uh, show metrics, show logs. Uh, you can start to do correlation IDs to uh, correlate between different Lambda functions as messages move from one Lambda function to the other. It can be through SNS or HTTP or even a direct invocation. Uh, that's something that when people are starting to do that uh, or engineers are starting to do that, they understand, oh, wait, it will take a lot of time to actually implement everything and do everything that I've just mentioned. So at this point, usually, uh, you know, people are starting to look for different solutions. It, it might be even earlier. I mean, you know, some say, I, I don't really want to build anything. I just want a third-party API that, you know, will take care for all of the uh, all of the observability uh, aspects. But otherwise, at this point, usually engineers understand that it's going to be a wild ride to have correlation IDs and being able to alert and integrate to Slack and PagerDuty and being able to visualize everything and detecting serverless specific elements like timeouts or out of memories and you know continuously building dashboards and integrating everything and training all of the engineers that can take you know in a good kind of a way maybe weeks or more realistically months of engineering time just to uh, get it up and running so that's the point where they start to evaluate another solutions and you know when they're hitting Epsilon usually you know, that's kind of the best of breed product today for serverless. You're getting out of the box dashboards for Lambda functions, including timeouts, out of memories, cost, invocation analysis, insights. And then using the tracing, you can really drill into what's going on inside the uh, the function itself, any call that was being made. And you really don't need to take care for anything. Uh, you don't care, take care for correlation. You don't take care for shipping the logs, for scale, for storage, for, you know, and you're getting everything out of the box, which much easier and as I mentioned the old agenda of serverless is let's move fast let's continue building what we're building and not build anything that it's not the business
Wow. Yeah, I, I think that the listeners are going to get a lot of insight out of all the stuff that you just said. And something that's really cool about the way that you framed that was like, yes, you can use Elastic, you can you can go that route. But once you get into these more complex things like correlation IDs, that's when things are really going to start breaking down um, and becoming very complex. And and then Epsigon kind of does that stuff for you. Um, so that's that's really cool. And then you mentioned one part about logging, which I feel like is not brought up enough, um, but definitely should be. Uh, around uh, how you're you're adding the metadata into the JSON prints and all that stuff. Is there a good example that you know about where listeners could potentially find like the best practices for logging that you're mentioning? So I will try to find something that we'll be able to share, uh, you know, uh, alongside the podcast. I do know, you know, there are several libraries for Node, for Python. I think that the best way would be like uh, in Google, type your programming language and then afterwards type structured uh, logs, and you'll probably find out things that are out of the box, you know, capturing some things from the environment variables and help you to do so. You know, just in Node, for example, there is a Pino and Winston and Banyan that will help you to uh, accomplish such things in a standardized way across your all frameworks. Uh, but I think that the, the most important part would be to define what's what is your structure? Like, you know, what are the uh, metadata that you need to uh, to snapshot? And I think Kian uh, do have a good post uh, in uh, in his website, the Burning Monk, uh, that explains some examples that are good. The other thing that are that is really important is to try to automate that process as much as possible, because every log line means that somebody uh, added an, added another line of code uh, to their own code. And, you know, you need a lot of logging and it means that you need to add a lot of uh, lines of codes to your original uh, code base, which definitely everybody wants to avoid. So uh, the, the best part would be uh, it's called instrumentation or middleware. Uh, so, for example, every time your function is getting an invocation, wrap it with a middleware. One of the greatest ones in, uh, in, uh, in JavaScript or Node, it's uh, MIDI a great framework that allows you to head middlewares uh, across your Lambda functions. And, you know, instead of every developer responsible at the first lines, you know, to uh, document what was in the event or what's the context or what are we running or where are we running, uh, that really can simplify simplify things uh, and you don't need to set them up. Uh, and same for, you know, any kind of operation that you're making, AWS SDK calls, HTTP calls, uh, that's called instrumentation. It's pretty advanced. It's not, I wouldn't say that's the first thing that you should do. But once you do that, you're really removing the need from any engineer to manually log most of the things that, you know, you don't already need to log. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, yeah, thanks for sh- shouting out some of the uh, things that for Node.js specifically people can look at. Um, and then... Let's see. So um, if you were, let's say you were going to build an application today, um, would you immediately start with serverless or how do you view uh, new applications, greenfield applications being built in 2020? So uh, assuming I'm familiar with, you know, the infrastructure, I, I, I'm feeling comfortable with serverless, CCS, Kubernetes or whatever. My uh, first go-to would be try to understand how can I implement it on top of serverless, like completely serverless, like Lambda functions and the rest of the services that are completely serverless. Um, Definitely I need to take uh, into consideration scale and performance because I think that the only thing that might uh, remove me from a serverless state of mind, it's either a big scale, which implies cost. Uh, You know, there are some scenarios where uh, building a serverless, a fully native serverless application uh, would be much more expensive than having it on non-serverless. But that's especially, you know, uh, I'm talking about billions or tens of billions or hundreds of billions of events uh, every day. Uh, in such scenarios, I would reconsider because, you know, the, the cost can be, uh, you know, an order of magnitude. 
uh, that you're paying. And the second one is performance. Uh, and here, you know, I'm not uh, trying to whine about, uh, you know, I need another uh, 100 milliseconds for the page to load or something like that. If really you're building something that needs to be performant in a matter of milliseconds, you know, you need to respond like, you know, usually it's the uh, advertising uh, startups or companies that need to respond, you know, in a matter of three or four milliseconds. Uh, that's something that can't fit serverless because no matter how hard you'll try, uh, you won't be able to respond that quickly. We do have at Epsilon one uh, location that we uh that we just can't do that. We need to reply in a matter of few milliseconds, you know, very few milliseconds. So for us, it was an obvious ECS without uh, taking into consideration serverless or API gateway. But except for that, you know, my go-to would be serverless. If one of the two that I mentioned uh, can, you don't see that as something that can impact for you, you can build it serverless because many people are afraid, wait, how, how am I going to do that event-driven and distributed? And you should think event-driven and distributed. If you haven't already done it, you should do so, uh, and it will bring you much more value in terms of, you know, the rapidness and the development velocity that it's uh, it's priceless compared to, uh, you know, building the other things. Perfect. Well, I think I think that that's a good stopping point. Um, this has been a, a pretty great episode. I, I really appreciate you coming on, Ram, and sharing all this observability insight. Thank you very much, Ryan. Again, it's my pleasure. I hope that, you know, people are interested in uh, in these kind of topics. And, you know, just quickly mention my Twitter DMs are open. So if anybody wants to, uh, you know, consult or ask anything, uh, you know, also as being an AWS serverless hero, I really love helping regardless of observability and definitely regardless of Epsilon, uh to any kind of scenarios. So feel free to uh, ping me on my Twitter. It's RunWeb. And thank you for uh, having me. Absolutely. And for all the listeners, uh, definitely check out Epsigon and definitely hit Ran up. You know, he's he's like the guru of observability. So to those listening, uh, this has been a Talking Serverless podcast with Brian Jones. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out talkingserverless.io. And please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And of course, join us next time as we sit down with another fantastic serverless guest.